Hello and welcome to the Rednets, the official podcast of Empire of the Cop. And what a game we're reviewing for you all. Uh, helping me today, of course, is our very own Peter Kenny Jones and Steve Carson returns to the podcast once more. Steve, what did you make of that? Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 you can't really undersell how good it is to beat Everton in their own backyard, especially after what they managed to achieve last season against us. And, ah, uh, it was, it was just an unbelievable performance. And, up and down the park, but in the middle of the park, Jordan Henderson running the show. I mean, you know, he's not, he's, he gets applauded he deserves, but I feel like he's underrated by people outside of Liverpool. And I think that performance that he put in, he just, he, he just ran the show against Everton. It was, he, he, he doesn't need to prove himself, but he continues to prove himself as a world class player, not just a world class leader. And, you know, you, Mo Salah. You know, you, you, you know, you run out of words to describe this man. I mean, he does these things. Like, his, his, his two goals, the first one, where he kind of, like, hits it into the, the far corner of the net. He did that. Like, it was nothing. He does this week in, week out. That's what he does. Now, another player scores that. No, no one shuts up about it for weeks because it's Mo Salah. It's just, it's expected. And it's, it's just, it was just brilliant. Up and down, you know, the flare, the Pictures as well of Mo Salah in the flare, and it just reminded me of a few few seasons ago. Um, he had a picture of Dejan Lovren coming through the mist. It was just there was a few moments like that that I feel like we're going to be remembering this result for a couple of years to come. Like, there's been quite a few sort of iconic uh, photos that have emerged uh, from that picture, uh, from from that game rather. I, I mean, it, it's interesting you bring up Jordan Henderson because we've kind of, I mean, we've been absolutely spoiled by the midfielders we've had at this club, especially even of late. Um, and you sort of touched on him being appreciated for his leadership skills. And, you know, alongside, you know, the cultured brilliance of Thiago Alcantara and Fabinho, you know, he's almost sort of viewed as a, sort of a sidekick, you know, a sort of a sideshow before the main event. Um, but then he, he pulls out that performance and just proves that he should be sort of considered as a more sort of technical, cultured midfielder. I, I, I mean, Pete, would you, would you agree with that? Oh, definitely. Yeah, you know, I think... He gets billed as the, the one who does all the running and like that, as if that's all he's got. But you know, we we all know we, uh, as you know, as we as I said, we all know as Liverpool fans what what he offers this team. You know, there's a reason he's captain. That I'm sure it was Salah was speaking after, and I think it was a slip by the presenter. He's going, "Oh, Van Dijk's your captain," and he made sure to correct them to say, "Oh, he's he's our third choice captain." Because I think they all really respect him. You know, the quality of players we've got in this team. For him to be held in that high regard by them and by Klopp, it, it shouldn't be a discussion for. I don't, I, again, I don't think it's many Liverpool fans. I think it's wider, but I think there's a lot of people who don't respect him enough. And you know, games like that and at Old Trafford, and it just seems whenever we do really well, he's really important. And I think you know he isn't as good a defensive mid as Fabinho, but that's because Fabinho is probably the best in the world. It doesn't. He's probably still in the top ten. That's how good he is. But I think when Fabinho was there, and it gives him that access to go forwards. It's just it's a totally different player and. We really miss somebody who's not there in terms of ability and leadership and just this whole round game, really. No, he certainly doesn't get half the respect he deserves, um, as you both pointed out, outside of uh, of Liverpool. And certainly you'd argue that extends to the team as a whole. You know, we, we had pun- BBC pundits um, famously writing us off before, you know, a ball had even been kicked. Uh, and then you sort of look at sort of the stats we've accumulated of late. I mean, I think Salah's opening goal was our 500th in the Premier League under Jurgen Klopp. Um, and we're the first English top flight outfit uh, to score two or more goals um, in 18 consecutive games in all competitions. 
uh, beating Sunderland's record from 1927. This is a phenomenal Liverpool side. And I suppose the, the question is, you know, as we head into this particularly difficult time of year, how far can we go, Steve? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> we're, keeping, we're keeping pace with Chelsea. And, you know, that's what you've got to do at this point. If you're going to be chasing the title, you need to be chasing the, the, the leaders in, in the competition. And, you know, going into it, we knew Chelsea were going to be mountain quite a big, pardon the pun, um, quite a big challenge um, towards the title, especially after, you know, the Champions League. Um, you know, you've got to give it to them. They're playing some great football. But I believe that Liverpool's ceiling is higher than Chelsea's. Um, I think Chelsea are playing fantastic at the minute, but when, we, when we're playing 10 on 10, we're the best team in the world. I, I have no doubts. We beat anybody in a 90-minute match. Um, and I think if, if we can really keep that going and we can avoid injuries, like we've already seen some of this season where we've had injuries and our, and our form's faltered slightly. You know, obviously there's demand of other competitions and stuff, but I feel like if we can keep going um, at the level that we are at the minute, I, I don't see Chelsea, um, I don't see Chelsea and Manchester City performing to the level that they have been throughout the whole year, uh, which obviously we'll have to see if we do, but we're definitely going to be in the conversation right until the end. I think the top three are already confirmed. It's just a case of where are they actually going to end up. And in terms of challenging on the European front, I think our form in Europe so far suggests we can go pretty far again. Uh, I think it should be normal for Liverpool to be always thinking about the quarters, the semis. The, you know, the group stage is just something you've got to go through first. Um, certainly this this team that Jurgen Klopp's assembled, it deserves to have that. Okay, so who are we going to get in the quarters thinking about, you know, far ahead like that. Um, I don't see why not. We could maybe go for the double. I, you know, we, we've obviously won both tournaments in recent years. I think maybe we're lacking a bit of squad depth, which is where like the likes of Manchester City probably you know, beat us to that. But this squad could do anything. We've seen them do everything. Now I believe they can do anything. Now, as far as the double is concerned, I think obviously Mo Salah has come out uh, twice now. And I said that's very much his intention to um, compete on both fronts and hopefully come away with both trophies, which would, you know, it'd be an absolutely remarkable achievement for this um, Jurgen Klopp side. And certainly not, um, as I'm sure you'll, you'll agree with me, not outside the realm of reality if we can keep this form up. I mean, I mean, we can talk about Salah all day, can't we? You know, when he's hitting the numbers, he's hitting it. 26 goal contributions in 19 games across all competitions is just a frankly absurd number. Um, for you know, he's not even a striker. Uh, it's an absurd n- number of goals and assists to get for a player in his position. Um, but I've won another man I certainly think shouldn't go under the radar for his performance uh, is Diogo Jota, who, I mean, you could just re-watch that goal on repeat. I know I certainly have on repeat constantly. But, I mean, Pete, the, the technique around it, it was, just, it was just phenomenal, the move, the whole thing. Yeah, I think you know it was at that point in the game where we felt like we'd already won. They were already leaving. And I think that, that might ruin like the, the legacy around it a little bit. But obviously, when you watch it back, there's a standalone goal. You know, it, Alan's behind him. He's probably their best defensive player they've got on the pitch, and he's he's done him with a great turn. They pick for Delpton out of it, but he, he tries his best to do that for every goal. I think so. You can't really blame him. And obviously, Jota smacks it left footers, and it was just amazing. One, I think you know, the, how well he's played and. You know, we're obviously all gutted Firmino's gone and I don't think we'd do a whole season if it was just those things we need to rest them. But for the way he's just come straight in and he just 
since we've signed him, he's just fitted like a glove, hasn't he? It's, it's unbelievable. And I've, I had a few Wolves mates that I was speaking to them when we signed him. They were like, he's not even in our top four strikers. I don't know why you've paid that much money for him. But Klopp and his team are proving again that they know better than anyone else, don't they? And what a sign he's been and what a goal last night. And, and again, what a performance. You know, it, it was that one where Trent had an effort in the first half, his left foot, and like he held off three defenders put it out for him he's just a lot of little things he does which maybe aren't beating four men but I think when you just watch his whole game he is unbelievable but we're lucky to have him I think it's almost one of those games where if you actually just sit there and think about players just individually you know beyond beyond the scorers you know you could argue and Andy I mean Abdi Robertson grabbed two assists you could argue he's got a strong shout for man the match Salah was phenomenal Jordan Henderson was just insanely good and sort of stood out you know, amongst in a midfield comprised of Thiago, Cantar and Fabinho. Um, we, we could sit here for ages and talk, go through each one of the single players and argue why they played a significant role. Um, but I, I really want to pick your brains on sort of the, the magnitude of beating Everton at Goodison Park because obviously it's a, it's, a, it's a place we've struggled out of late. We've not won since 2016, since that magical late Mane goal. Um, and I suppose the argument a lot of neutrals will take uh, is that, well, you know, they're shit. <laughs> the form's sort of gone down. So why are you celebrating this this victory? You know, as as impressive a scoreline as it is, but it's a place we struggled, isn't it, Steve? And you know, we it, it sort of almost replicates that sort of famous win at Old Trafford. Every you know, we went and people were like it's still Old Trafford. They still raised their game against you on their home turf, and we've made both of them look foolish in that you know home ground. And that's I mean that's significant, isn't it? Yeah, there's there's nothing better than just trouncing. Yeah, the teams that you hate in their own backyard. There's, there's nothing quite like it. You know, obviously, if you, if you were to come away but Everton, that result at Anfield, you'd go, yeah, half of the course. But like you say, we've still got the Goodison Park. Uh, certainly um, the last, in Jürgen Klopp's era, we've struggled at Goodison Park. Uh, that's not a reflection on the man himself, of course. It's just one of them things. It's a tough place to go to, traditionally. Um but yeah, I think it's something like I think we've 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 won, I think we've won three of the last like eleven visits to Goodison Park, uh, which which is you know great numbers for Everton. But you wouldn't think that's the same team that you saw um, that they put out to Goodison Park this week. Um, it, it was embarrassing, which was reflected by uh, the fans themselves actually starting to walk out at the twentieth minute. And obviously they they were made to look a little bit foolish because obviously they they scored shortly afterwards. But you should never leave your team. At any point of the game, never matter twentieth minute, but um, it is a reflection of sort of the state that Everton's in. But you can't undersell beating your rivals. You know, certainly last season when they did a number on us, they didn't undersell it. Then you know we were in a bit of bad form. It's one of those things. It's always a good result. It's always a feisty fixture. We've done it to United this season. We've done it to Everton. Very much looking forward to seeing how we do at Anfield against them. And, one of my favourite statistics that was doing the rounds last night, I, I can't remember who uh, posted it, but I know it was retweeted by David Lynch. Um, it was um, wins at Goodison Park in the Merseyside Derby. Uh, historically, in every competition, uh, Everton have got 40 wins over Liverpool and Liverpool have got 41 wins over Everton. So Goodison Park is our second home now. I mean, Pete... Uh- do you do you look at that more sort of going well? Everton's form has kind of taken a dip, so if this is expected of Liverpool. Do you sort of see it as a a positive omen going forward in in a similar respect to the Old Trafford result? Yeah, well, I think you know historically in terms of Klopp's reign, it has been a tough place to go to, and I think you know 
it, it is hard to everyone says it before those type of matches any derby because form goes out the window and how many times have we played them when we've been much better than them you know it's you, you can say when we face each other we're not much better than them at Goodison definitely because we, we, we haven't really performed that way so when you go into a game so much further ahead of them you do expect that we should have a good result but even yesterday you still think or well, at least I was you know this, this could easily be a draw and as soon as they get the goal you're like oh for god's sake here we go you're like it's going to happen again now. I want to be rocking, but I think it's it's a massive result. I I can't remember the last time we did we absolutely battered Everton and United in the same season away. I, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know when it was, but to to do that, I think it's just testament to how good this team is at the moment. And when we have results like Brighton and, and West Ham, it it is disappointing, but it just shows you know, that they're the off days. The off days aren't going and having one amazing performance and then we go and play average for the rest of it you know we're a really good team and to do it on the two biggest stages and now the fans are back you know it, i feel like the players have really got on tech because you could see after that fourth goal and after the game they were all desperate to celebrate with the fans because of what happened to goodison last year with van dyke and tiago especially and you can see when van dyke takes the the free kick it's <laughs> straight to the wall i don't think he's took a free kick for us as he believes so up for that game he was desperate to get one over on them so i think having the fans back and having those performances you know it should mean that the festive period they're well up for it now and if we get through that and it's still in the mix you know the, the titles in our hands at the moment and every win every game it's ours so let's try and do that and why why can't we i mean it's it's been a phenomenal run already we've scored 14 goals um following that 3-2 um loss in london against west ham united um it, it's i mean i suppose the question is as we sort of Go on in this period. I mean, and Steve, you touched on it earlier when, you, when we looked at sort of the the depth, the comparative depth available to us uh, to our rivals in sort of Chelsea, and Manchester City. But with this Liverpool team at its strongest, um, especially with the lads coming back from injury, you have to, you, you know, you'd have to back them in the long term. It's always going to be a question of injuries with us. Um, and with that point, you know, with the team playing as it is, is there less of a justification now for dipping into January? Or, you know, do you feel, no, no, we need, it's important to consolidate, it's important to bring in, I mean, it's a difficult period of time to bring in someone because clubs are reluctant to release their best players and players are reluctant to leave in the middle of the season. So where do you stand on it? I mean, like any fan, you'd always like to see new additions to the squad. Um, I think the most important thing, um, and it was certainly the most important thing over the summer, is making sure we, we keep our players more than anything. Um, I've seen some things circulating about, like, uh, I think Joe Gomez uh, loan rumours. I don't think that would be a wise move. I think we need as much, like you say there, we need as much squad depth as possible going forward. Uh, if we're going to compete with the likes of Manchester City and Chelsea on all fronts. Um, yeah, would love to see some additions. Uh, I don't think, I don't think the way we're playing will impact much. Um, I think obviously if we were to get some injuries, hopefully we don't, but if we get some injuries before the end of the month, I think there would then be an impetus to go out in January and bring somebody in like we have seen in the past when uh, we obviously we lost Van Dyke, Matty and Gomez, so we brought in uh, Kabak. Um, but, uh, oh, and, and Davies, they're the full man. But um, yeah, I don't think, I don't think, I think whatever's going on behind the scenes, because the club is very tight when it comes to this kind of things, and they tend to be in tight lip. Uh, not so much tight first, uh, which you know sometimes the club is that as well. But um, yeah, whatever's getting planned, I don't think it's going to be affected by sort of how we're playing at the minute. If if the idea is to get somebody in January, I imagine that would have been the plan, you know, long term. 
Uh, certainly, Jurgen Klopp has shown a history of uh, wanting a certain type of player and then waiting to get that player. Uh, certainly, the club's not been held for, for ransom over the years. I think, yeah, if you bring somebody in, I don't know if January is the one, unless the, the gears are already in motion behind the scenes. Of course, um, Michael Edwards is, is finishing up at the end of the season, so maybe there is something in January. He wants to give us one last um, little treat before he gets off. Maybe a bit of Jew Bellingham in January, you never know. But um, I very much doubt it uh, if there'll be anything in January, especially someone the calibre of Jew Bellingham. Oh, I mean, I think any, any Liverpool plan would absolutely bite your hand off for Jude Bellingham in January. Um, as you say, an unlikely one to happen, but, you know, we can all dream. Uh, I mean, Pete, would you... Where do you, where do you stand on this? Do you sort of feel you know it's important to keep the unit as it is without sort of any interference in terms of an extra addition in January, or have you the mind of you know dip in if if there's a crisis? Yeah, well, you know, hopefully there isn't a crisis. And you know, last year we, we dipped in and we lost four of our best centre backs, so it wasn't like you know it was something they were happy to do. And we got Kabak on a on a six month loan, and and Davis for not much money, so. Though that it has to be that bad to get someone, I think you know the only thing we could possibly look at is you know Salah and, and Mane isn't it going off the African Cup of Nations? It's whether they see that as a serious enough issue to get someone in on loan for the rest of the season, or if they trust you know the likes of Origi, Minamino, maybe Oxley Chamberlain can play up there. Keith has played more attacker, and obviously you've got Jotun and Firmino still as well. So I think that's the only decision they're going to make. You know, obviously touch woods. We don't have very injuries and. That that shouldn't be an issue for us, but I think we've got enough defensive, you know, reserves. Uh, as Steve said about Joe Gomez, it'd be a stupid move to get rid of him because we've had that issue last year. And we've already put one man in, so I don't know why we then get rid of that one man halfway through the season. And then it's just I think midfield, as I said, stocked up. So it's just the attackers, and it's where they're the three four weeks that were without our two main attackers basically is seen as severe enough to get another option in. It's up to the pause, but yeah, I do like the idea that maybe Michael Edwards has one last hurrah and leaves us all with a surprise before he goes and smashes it somewhere else. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll take whatever it is, but I don't think anything will happen. Now, at risk of sort of looking too far ahead into the future, obviously, we've got an interesting run of games coming up. Um, Wolverhampton Wanderers, um, AC Milan, and then a meeting with former Liverpool captain Stephen Gerrard's Aston Villa. I, I mean... The AC Milan one's an interesting one, firstly, because obviously it's at the San Siro. It's going to be a wild atmosphere, um, but it's also billed as a potential opportunity for Klopp to rest a few faces um, ahead of the meeting of Aston Villa. Um, I mean, Steve, I don't know how you're feeling about the Wolves one. Can you see him sort of going with a, a similarly full-strength team with the idea that he can rest a few at the San Siro or a few changes, do you reckon? Yeah, I, th- I think the team against Wolves, will, you know, I think that's going to be the priority. Um, because, like you say, the Champions League is done. We're through to the next round. We're through. We're through to the knockouts, but we're fine. You know. Uh, I think it is a risk, though. Um, but I'll get to that in a second. Uh, yeah, I think the priority is going to be Wolves. It's going to be full strength team, probably the same team that we saw um, against Everton. Uh, I don't know if any players will be rested. Maybe Joel Matip might switch out for Nate. I know uh, Jurgen seems to be wanting to keep his defensive options fresh, so maybe that might be what he does there. But um, yeah, full strength for Wolves. Uh, and then when it comes to the Champions League, yeah, I think we're going to see um, quite a bit of rotation there. We're going to, I think we're going to see Minamino, Origi, you know, um, Simakas as well uh, to give Robbo a rest, but also Simakas more than deserves his spot in the squad at the minute. We've got two world-class left-backs at the minute. 
brilliant to see. Um, but we, we could see rotation all over the place. I mean, we could even see Kelleher in goal. I think I think that wouldn't be out of the realms of possibility. Give Alisson a bit of a break. Um, but I do think that might be to our detriment slightly. Mind you, it doesn't matter all that much because, as I say, we are through in the Champions League now. It's, it's fine if, you know, we sort of fumble away at Italy. But that is a massive game for AC Milan. You've got to remember that, that they've sort of been outside of European competition for a number of years now. And they don't get these big games that all that often. Like, obviously, if you, if you think domestically, we play the likes of Chelsea and Man City and stuff like that. And it's a big occasion. Um, but if we face them in the Champions League, massive. If we play Bayern Munich or Juventus, it's massive. AC Milan are going to be hosting Liverpool, who are, you know, one of the best teams, if not the best team in the world. Um, it's going to be huge for them. And they're going to pull out all the stops. And they're playing fantastic in Serie A this season. They really are one of the best teams in Italy. Um, their form in Europe has been less impressive, but it's a tough group. Obviously, we've made it look a bit daft, but it is a, it's a really tough group. It is, it's four world-class teams. And yeah, I think AC Milan could do a number on us if we, if we rest some of our players because they will be bang up for it and so will the crowd. It's a tough one to judge, especially I think Jurgen Klopp's touched on the matter specifically um, in terms of, you know, I think he's explained, you know, you can't just name a completely changed 11. He has to um, appreciate the need to maintain momentum you know, a, a, a loss against AC Milan could sort of affect the mood, could affect the momentum. I, I mean, Pete, how, how would you sort of go about this if you're in Klopp's shoes? Do you, do you sort of see a balance of changes um, against Wolverhampton, the idea of making a few changes, but not as many as some might expect in AC Milan? Or do you just take the risk, name your strongest 11 against Wolves, keep the Premier League form going, and then name, make your changes against AC? Yeah, was it the priorities, Jeff? I've got to be the Premier at this point, you know, with- with her new guaranteed top of the game to spare, so there's no point to prioritise that. Understand the point of obviously, as he said, to keep momentum going. It might just be a matter of asking the players, you know, because some of them might want to rest, some of them might want to keep playing. You know, the likes of Salah, he'll be desperate to play. You know, he, he'd rather he'd play tonight again if we asked him. So I think he's he's well up for whatever game he gets to play in. So I think him, you know, Sadio Mane might be the same in terms of keeping his form up. I think it's it wouldn't be a good idea to to risk Jota because I don't know he's had a couple of injury problems. Again, the midfield, after he start against Everton, all of them, you haven't had the greatest injury records of late, so I wouldn't be surprised if all three of them changed them. Again, probably the centre-backs, the other ones you can't trust in terms of injuries, unfortunately. So I think keeping the likes, I'd probably put Alisson in if you keep Salah and Mane and you've, you've got Trent, Simicast, that's still a decent enough side. And then it's just whether you risk travelling as well, because obviously it's the fatigue and that Villa game's going to be a big one because... Those players will know it's a massive game just in terms of everyone's going to be watching and I'm not going to say like Villa are like a non-league side of the telly, but it's going to be a massive occasion and everyone's going to want to watch that match of the day and watch it back. So they'll be ready and firing for it. So I think it's just got to prioritise the Prem and then maybe just put it in a few of the players' hands and just say, you know, would you rather be rested or, or going for it? Because you know, we don't want them upset and not travelling. It's best to keep the morale high and keep going and see what happens the rest of December. No, I mean, on paper, if you just... Purely on paper, if you look at it, it doesn't look too challenging, um, a run of fixtures. But if you actually sort of get into the specifics, um, as we just have um, now, it, it's that there's quite a difficult balance there that Klopp's going to have to strike. And, he, you know, he's going to have to gamble at least on one of the games um, and hopefully come away with, you know, nine points from each, each of the respective fixtures. Um, Steve, I'm, I'm going to press you for an 11 to face Wolves. Oh, 
Yeah, I think I think as we've we've all touched on, I think I think there will be a bit of rotation, but it will be it'll be a strong team that he picks. Certainly, I think he'll he'll be looking at Wolves and thinking that that is obviously more important task than, than AC Milan away, yeah, which which is a weird sentence. Um, but you know it it is. Um, yeah, I think it really. If I was to get this horrifically wrong. Swap the team for AC Milan, and that'll be the team. One of these two teams is going to be this. Uh, I think anyway. Yeah, I think I think I think Allison starts. I think Premier League. You got to be putting your best goalkeeper forward. With all due respect to uh, Gallagher and Adrian, obviously it's Allison. I think Ali. Yeah, Trent, Simicast. There's you know what Peter's saying there. Like you know, if Robbo wants to keep his momentum going, maybe you put him in. But if he's maybe up for a bit of a rest, you put Simicast in. No problem because he's there. Uh, his momentum's quite good at the minute. You've got to keep Van Dijk in, in the squad. You know, you've got to keep that spine in there. And I could see Konate maybe coming in to give Matip uh, a, a bit of a break. Not too sure what the situation is with Gomez. Would like to see him again. Um, but I think it will be uh, Konate put into the team. I think you could see a bit of rotation in midfield. Um, not too sure on everyone's fitness. Um, but yeah, I think you might want to be switching Thiago out of that team to give him a bit of a rest. He's had problems with his uh, fitness in the past. Uh, so, yeah, Fabinho, Henderson, and then maybe a bit more of a composed midfielder. James Milner came on the last few minutes in the derby. Would man seeing James Milner thrown into the mix? Uh, maybe Naby Keita if he's 100% ready to go. Um, bit of an attack and flair, perhaps. Maybe you could bring Henderson out of the equation if you could have Milner and Keita. Um, yeah, I think Salah and Mane, like Pete said, if they want to keep their momentum going, which you know they want to play every single game, you see this when they get pulled off. When it's like, like we could be five nil up in the seventieth minute, and Mane would be human at getting subbed off. But um, yeah, if those two want to play, they play. But at the you know you've got to be thinking about the rest of the season. Yogo Jota, obviously, as Pete said, he struggled with his fitness as well. So maybe you wouldn't put Jota in. I think we could see David Origi. Um, certainly, I've we seen a really was uh, linked with a move to Wolves over summer, so maybe it could be a bit of a uh, audition for him. Maybe um, Minamino, not a bad shout. Uh, I think Mane. I think I'd have Mane, Minamino, and Arigi up front, and I think that would be uh, my team as convoluted as that sounded. A Fifteen but... men, money. If only. What about you, Pete? You agree with that? Any changes you'd make yourself for Wolves? Um... I'd probably just go see him again, to be honest. Sorry if it's not as long of an answer. <laughs> but, yeah, I think... I just think the Prem's the priority. You know, we can't afford to let City or Chelsea get any ground on us. And at this period when, you know, you both won by a goal, you know, we obviously probably on paper had the easiest game, but it was a derby. I don't think it was a guaranteed win for us, although we made it look like it. I think we've just got to go, especially the away game. Wolves have, have been in really good form of late. I think, you know, it... it it'd be silly to not just try and attack it with all we've got and especially we basically got a free hit against AC Milan again you don't know how much Klopp wants to focus on the Champions League game but I'd just say just go out same again that full 11 can play the only one possibly be Thiago but I think with him he does seem a confidence player at the moment his confidence is flying he's having shots he's doing those passes everywhere I think he might be the only one who would come out but other than that yeah I'd just say same again go get the win and then Hopefully we're four 0 up with twenty minutes to go. You can take a few of the big hitters off again. And we'll hopefully be talking about a win. But the question is, what's the score line? Well, I, I ain't guessing, but um, <laughs> I think 
if we if we played a full eleven and we're playing like that, it's just all about getting an early goal for us. I think mm. isn't it? Because if people get confident and sit behind, it, it gets harder and harder. But you know, we, we've scored at least two in how many games is that now? So I'll say we'll score at least two. So I'll I'll really say three one is what I'll go for. Three one. What, what do you reckon, Steve? Are you going to go for a, a big blowout or something a bit more of a cagey affair? I was going to say three one, um, but I'll uh, I'll try and give it a, a bit of a different answer. Yeah, I, I can I can see us going again and getting. Know a number of goals, and we've shown that we we have a bit of a leaky leaky defence at times, even though we are all world class players. Um, the way we're playing, I can only really go one way if I'm going to deviate from three one. So I'm going to say four one. Oof. Oh, nope. Steve, you're killing me. Come on, guys. <laughs> all right. Well, you know what? Leaky defence as it is, I think. Um, I mean, I was a, to be completely honest, I was going to go with the three three one as well, but to. Uh, Provide three different score lines. I'm going to go for a three nil. Um, we're, 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 <laughs> there's enough variation in that, so hopefully uh, we should get one of us at least is on the money. Um, but yeah, now hopefully we'll be reviewing two more wins added to uh, the wall chest come next Thursday. Um, this has been Barrel Keeling. Joining me as ever is Peter Kenny Jones and Steve Carson. Take care for now. <laughs>